Hey friends, welcome to Ground and Found. I'm Father Allen. You probably heard of the Triple Crown in horse racing or even the treble in English football. Well, today we have our own triple, our own treble, the Triple Find. So well, I'm gonna take a cue from Father Christoph Rembeck's book, Hope for Judas and put the prodigal son parable first, then the lost sheep, and then the lost coin, which we'll look at in part two of this talk on Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. And the rationale that Father Rembeck uses that I kind of agree with and identify with, I'm not trying to be too, uh, you know, out there kind of thing, organizing, reorganizing uh, scripture, I'm not advocating it rearrange or tear out chapter 15 of your Bible and Luke and just put arrows and rearrange the whole thing. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm getting at. But what I'm getting at is that it really, in rearranging the order, it gives us an opportunity to think a little bit more about God, our Heavenly Father, and His love for us. Because if the Son did not return, what would the Father do? Would the Father just sit there, remaining, looking down the driveway, waiting for His return? I don't think so. I think that the father would get up and he would go out in search of his lost son. Enter in then the parable of the lost sheep. The shepherd leaves the 99 in the wilderness and goes after the one that was lost. Listening for the bleating sound of the sheep that had caught itself in some kind of a jackpot. But what if the sheep what if the son was so lost that it could not make any sound what if it was so far out there there was possibly no hope of it returning on its own well then enter in the woman with a lost coin she loses one and she searches the house diligently the gospel says until she has found it and that is god our Heavenly Father, my dear friends, he searches diligently until he has found us. Because here's the, the, here's the kernel, the, the essence of what I want you to take from this meditation today. That each of us is worthy to be found. We are worthy to be found. Previously I said no ground, no found. Well, this is the second really important lesson. Each of us is indeed worthy to be found. So let's just take a look again at Luke 15. And we're going to start by looking at the younger son, then the elder son, and then, of course, uh, the father. It starts by saying that the Pharisees and the scribes were murmuring or grumbling or complaining, whatever translation you have there in front of you, about a Jesus. The reality was they did not see just how lost they were. They were so wrapped up in their own self-righteousness, their own self-reliance, that they thought they were okay. And as I've said in earlier episodes, when you and I are at that place in the spiritual life, I think, you know what? I'm good. I'm okay. I can handle this. That's not a good place because we're setting ourselves up for a fall. So they were drawing near to Jesus. And Father Rembeck in his book says, I believe that... In the coming decades, our church will work more, yes, even mostly, 
with people who truly want to hear Jesus, who deeply want Jesus, and don't just tag along out of sheer habit. Can I identify with that in my own life? Do I truly want to hear Jesus? Am I doing in my spiritual life what needs to be done so that I can draw near to him? Understanding that we are again worthy to be found and the Lord is drawing near to us as well. So, the younger son, he, and I'm going to put him to be around 18 years of age, he's ground down by his own selfishness, his disobedience, recklessness, uh, sin in his life, and by the sounds of it, uh, in Luke's gospel, he certainly got his fill of all that when he eventually did leave home, gathering his things. A few days later, he takes off for a distant uh, country. But then he begins to feel the pinch. And the translation that we probably have in front of us says that the, he experienced, in the country where he was living, this severe famine. Making it more contemporary, let's change it to a severe uh, pandemic. And the reality is that in your life and in mine, and again, God didn't cause what we're going through. He is allowing it to happen for a reason. But our desperation is God's workshop. When we come to that point, and the gospel says that the younger son came to his senses, we wake up to the reality that is ours. We wake up to the circumstance we find ourselves in. It's like the cloud is lifted or the curtain is parted and we see truly how we are before God. And we have an opportunity in that instant to respond. It's an incredible opportunity of God's grace that is offered to us as it was offered to him. He comes to his senses and he returns home, evidently in a place of being ground. And the, the signs of his being ground, he was rather disheveled, his clothes were torn, his hair is just a bloody mess, <laughs> he's dirty, he's smelly, he's just, just, just a wreck, right? And he comes home and he has won his hard-found humility. Gospel says that he would have gladly fed himself on the pods that the people were eating, but nobody even gave him anything. All of his friends, fair-weather friends, gone. And he comes before his, his father, albeit initially with imperfect contrition. He's kind of rehearsing his lines. Okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. That's this imperfect contrition. He is understanding the dire nature of his situation and is coming before his father. But his father, we'll get to him in a minute, is so overwhelmingly happy that he has uh, returned. He comes home initially because he's hungry, not because he's necessarily sorrowful. He comes home because he's hungry. He left home to fill his belly and again, by the implication of what's said in the gospel, he certainly got his full of the world, the flesh, and the devil, but his soul was empty. His belly was full of the world, but his soul was starving to death. And then we have the, the elder son. 
I'm going to put him in his early 20s. And he too is ground down. He's ground down with envy and anger and jealousy, bitterness, resentment, real genuine true pain in his life. And he himself did leave home. He didn't leave home geographically like his younger brother did, but he left home emotionally, which is equally as damaging. He was physically present, but he stayed lost. And because he stayed lost, he was not found. But even he too is worthy to be found. And you notice the father comes out of the house to speak to him. The father comes to where he is to encounter him. And the Lord will come to where we are to encounter us, searching us out. He comes to where we are to minister to our hearts. And the signs of his own being ground down, that is the, the, the elder son, is that he hides behind this mask of rigidity and aloofness. This son of yours, he says to his father, doesn't even give him the dignity of calling him by his name. He obviously had a name. But this son of yours, this person, this lower than low individual has come home. Won't even refer to him as his own brother. And he, he worked his whole life grudgingly, not willingly. And, you know, this is an opportunity for us to make an examination of our own life. Like in terms of my own work, whether it's the work I do as my profession, my vocation, chores around the house, volunteer, etc. All, all, like whatever I do, am I doing it willingly or am I doing it grudgingly? And if I let go of the grudging nature of what I'm doing and say, God, give me the grace to do this willingly out of love for you, love for others, and respect for myself, our whole disposition changes. Our whole way of relating to God, others, and ourself changes. So we just pray for that willingness to do it out of love, not of some blind sense of duty, obligation, or even guilt. What if I don't do this? What will people think of me? You know, it's difficult, right? It's challenging, whether you're living in a religious community or a family or a group at work or a class in school, etc. Right? Why is it that some people just don't seem to be able uh, to do what we would expect of them to do? Well, maybe our expectations are too high. If my expectations are way high, my serenity is way low. And it's not a question of whether they just can't do it or don't want to do it, rather. It is a question of their capacity to do it. I don't think they can. So we're to have some sympathy uh, for others in, in their life and the struggles that they're going through in their own life. But say, Lord, you've obviously given me a capacity to be charitable, to work, to be productive. Help me, Lord Jesus, to do it out of love for others and not grudgingly or with some residual anger grinding my teeth uh, while I'm doing it. Anyway, enough said. I think I think I get my point about the older uh, son who spends, and this is an interesting insight I gained by reading some reflections on Luke 15. He spends most of his time in the field. The field is an in-between place. It's not at home with his father. But yet, at the same time, he has not left 
geographically speaking. Emotionally, he's gone. But geographically, he is, he is in his own place. And the field is that place where he goes, most probably by himself, and he lives his own life. It's a place where he can go, he just daydreams, thinks about what could have been, what should have been, what needs to be, etc. It's not reality. He's not living in the reality of his own life and what's being offered to him by his own earthly father at his house. And so again, trying to apply this to my own life, can I recognize anything in the elder son in me? Do I just kind of take off, emotionally speaking, to a place of daydreaming, fantasy about what I coulda, woulda, shoulda? Where is that place? Am I willing to say, Lord Jesus, help me to stay rooted in the reality of who I am right now. I want to stay right here uh, before you, Lord. All that I have is gift. And the Lord says, all that I have is yours. So all that I have is a gift uh, from him. Why do I want to emotionally or even physically take off from the Lord? I am worthy to be found. And thanks be to God, the Lord is searching us out. And then finally, there is the father. I'm going to put him in his early 40s. Uh, rather robust, strong, working, um, diligent, loving, caring, kind uh, man towards his uh, two sons. Now, this is another insight I gained from a meditation I read a few years ago, and I, for I forget who the author is, so it's not original to me. But if a servant was walking by, not aware of what was going on, or what had just lapsed, happened, he would have, out of the corner of his eye, looked and thought, there's the master. The reality is, it's the younger son, restored to his original dignity, wearing this robe, the best one in the house that is usually reserved for the master. So the message here is that when the Lord Jesus welcomes us back, we return to him, even though our contrition may be imperfect, maybe we're not fully doing it out of love, maybe we're doing it because we just don't want to die and go to hell, it's imperfect, but it's, it's sufficient. And the Lord will use that. He wants to restore us to our original dignity because we are made in the image and likeness of God. And when we are restored to our original dignity, we look like the Father. We look like God, our Father. We all look the same. We look like our Father in heaven. And his face radiates with so much love and mercy and grace for each of us. And the Father cleans off his son right away and wants to show him off to the members of his household. What does he say to the servants? Let us eat and make merry. Everybody's happy. Unfortunately, the elder son is not happy. But there's one creature probably even less happy than the elder son, and that's the fatted calf. Anyway, they kill the fatted calf, and they have this big party to celebrate. This son of mine was dead. He is now alive. He was lost, and he has been found. We are made in the image and likeness of God our Father. And the interesting thing about this parable is that we don't know how it ends. 
you don't know of the two sons eventually were reconciled. We don't know if the elder son himself one day decided to take off. We don't know if there was a, a mother involved. What was her part in this? The rest of the servants, what they all thought, what the neighbors thought. We don't, we don't know how the story ends. And I think it's left that way because we are meant to enter into it and experience it and live it as the story of our own life. We are worthy of being found through our own choices, our own decisions. We can find ourselves in situations where we are very much ground, but we are indeed worthy to be found. So let's pray. So Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you, Jesus, for the gift of this opportunity, Lord, to journey together as brothers and sisters through the Gospel of St. Luke. We pray, Lord Jesus, that the words that were spoken here today may permeate each of our hearts. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would, in your gentle way, just allow us to see, Lord, what part of the younger son is present in our life, what part of the older son is present in our life. And do we really see you, God Father, as the Father in this parable? And so we ask you, God, our Father, to reveal more of your true self to us, that you would just burn away, remove from our hearts anything, Lord, that would just help prevent us from not really knowing you as you are. Anyways, we have been injured, hurt by our own earthly fathers, anyways, which we have adopted their characteristics and applied them to you. We want to forgive our earthly fathers for any way in which they have not lived up to the role that they have had in our life. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in this season of Lent particularly, through our own prayers, fastings, and almsgivings, we can cooperate with you. And so we give you our yes again, Jesus, to continue to purify our hearts, strengthen us, Lord, move us out of resentment, out of fear, out of jealousy, out of bitterness, and move us, Lord Jesus, into the grace and the movement of your Holy Spirit, of joy, peace, love, contentment, gratitude. Help us, Lord, to be of service to each other willingly, not grudgingly. We continue, Lord, to pray for peace in Ukraine. We pray, Lord, again for the repose of souls of all those who have died. We pray, Lord Jesus, for all those who are now refugees, that you would provide for their spiritual and temporal needs. Help us, Lord, to be generous in sharing with them what we have. Bring peace to that situation, Lord. Bring peace, bring peace to the world, beginning with peace in our own hearts. Mother Mary and St. Joseph, please pray for us. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, God bless the rest of your day there. Stay caffeinated and uh, we'll see you next time for Ground and Found Part 3 of B. Thank you.